Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. My name is John Allen Turner, and he is Hal Edward Runkle. Hal, how are you? I'm doing very, very well. That yeah? is my name. You still use my middle name. I insist on using the middle name. I use the middle name. Well, that's because we have another John in the office. Well, there's that. But do you on? Yeah, I guess you do on your books. Yeah, all my books, well, everything, my signature, my driver's license, everything is all three the names. The full name? The full name. Really? Yep. Did your mom call you John Allen? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know what, not, but like not, um, it, for me, it doesn't conjure up the same kinds yeah. of uh, uh, bad feelings that it does for a lot of people. It, you, when you're referred to as Hal Edward, does that make you feel yeah, anxious? Yeah, I'm in trouble. Because you're, you're in trouble? I'm in trouble. The, the wooden spoon on the back of the thigh is, is, really? is coming. How? Edward? Runkle? Something like so that, like with yeah. a cadence? Was there a cadence to it? No. Do I need to? It, it, it was all like Halward. It was like oh, one, one word. Halward. Halward. Yes. Okay. Yes. See, uh, yeah, I, um, I, uh, I did use it on my books. Yeah. Both, both my books you and I talked and, about that once yeah. upon a time because you were going to go with E or Hal E, or you yeah. were going to do Edward Runkle. You thought about that for a while? I did. No, I was going to do Hal Edwards. Hal Edwards, that was it. Yeah, because Runkle, yes. you don't like the way the... The I think we said things. that in a podcast before. Now we're boring people. Are we? Yeah. Goodness. All right. It's my fault. I apologize. I am... Uh, my coffee is not as good as yours. Yeah, my coffee... I can sense that. Oh, man, because yours smells like... Something. See, this was the problem. There, we have a, a one of those Keurig things in the office. Uh, we're not being compensated by the Keurig, Keurig company in yes. any way, shape, or form. But we have one in the office, and periodically, someone will run through it the raspberry a raspberry truffle something exactly. And then, if you get it next, your coffee is kind of flavored. Yeah, which you know what flavored coffee is? Tell me. Flavored coffee is like uh, flavored water. You know those little drops that you can put oh, in yeah? water? Yeah. People, Mia or something like that, they put little drops. Put the, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've, seen, I've seen the commercials. You tasted that stuff? No. Is it awful? Yeah, it's awful. It seems like it would it's, be. It's cough syrup. Is it cough syrup? <laughs> it's cough but syrup. this doesn't taste like cough syrup. No. It tastes like perfume. Yeah. Now, this coffee it's is just, not... I'm not very happy about it. No. But you used to drink flavored coffee, right? When you, you were telling me earlier. Yeah, when I started drinking coffee. And I didn't start drinking coffee till graduate school. So you were in your 20s by the time. See, yeah. I started drinking coffee when I was really young. My mother drank, drinks coffee still to this day. Both my mother and grandmother did. So I was always around it. And so I started drinking coffee when I was probably, I don't know, 14. Yeah. yeah. yeah my parents drank coffee all day. My dad, had I mean, he didn't have a coffee mug. He wore one. <laughs> I mean, it was just constant. Wow. I mean, not, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so it was just carried around everywhere. all the time. It was. It was actually. It was his. Uh, oh gosh, what's the term? What that I'm thinking of? Some people put soup in them. But as oh, thermos. Thermos. Yes, he always had a thermos full of coffee. Thermos of coffee. Yes. And you, like you, so you did, but you didn't start. So you was this a, an act of rebellion Dude, on your part? No, I thought it would smell horrible and terrible. And now I know why, because my dad doesn't drink coffee. What does he drink? He drinks hot brown water. That's what he drinks. Oh, well, if you're going to drink it all day, that's what you have to do. Otherwise, you will be a sweaty, nervous, shaking wreck. Maybe that's, that's why they make the weak, weak coffee for people who are going to drink it all day. Maybe that's why I don't sleep that well. Ooh, I haven't been sleeping well. Because yeah, I drink true. thick French blackest mud. mud all day. Yeah. That could be I something worth looking into. Decaf. Yeah, decaf, I don't know. That feels like cheating somehow. <laughs> right? <laughs> Cheating. I don't know why it does, but um, 
Yeah, so uh, now... But I did make an <clears throat> amazing proclamation. When just like earlier today or what? Yeah, I've done that. Yes, but this was this was this was stark. This was bold. A bold proclamation well, from Hal this is Edward Runkel. I got my start being such a commentator on the pulse of a provocateur um, uh, of America's. <laughs> really? Did you make America's an inflammatory statement? Families <laughs> and trends and yeah. social dynamics and all when that stuff. when was this? I was about eighteen years old, and I made a bold proclamation. This is in nineteen ninety. Okay, so okay. in nineteen ninety, at the age of eighteen, I Hal proclaimed said, that since coffee was so disgusting and nobody <laughs> I knew drank it, that I believed coffee would die out. In my <laughs> gener- with my generation, coffee was n- going to cease. Yes, because you never see him drink it on Star Trek. Yeah, or in some yeah, of those yeah, other. It's not, no, it's Earl Grey on Star Trek or yeah. whatever. They well, drink. Yeah. They, they never drink coffee in the future. In futuristic movies or whatever, they're never yeah. drinking coffee. I just thought, yeah, it's disgusting. No, none of my friends would ever drink it. And of course, 1991 de- <laughs> debuts. <laughs> <laughs> a little t- a little TV show <coughs> called, called Friends, Friends. and then uh, whenever that then came when did out. Starbucks yes. go all about the global? Mid-90s yeah, when Star- grunge and Seattle culture I am takes so over. So glad I did not uh, bet. Yeah, we're on not that, a wagering man on, on that, that proclamation. Hal, I was listening to the news earlier today, and there was a story about this uh, lady in Tennessee who she and her. Uh, I guess ex boyfriend or or whomever it is um, have a child together, okay. and they name the child. They can't decide on the oh, last name, yeah. so it goes to a judge who is a child advocate, and the the judge says, "Well, what's the kid's first name? First name Messiah." Of course it is. So the judge says, um, "No, we're going to change that." We're going to change that. And um, what's your last name? Well, her last name was like, I don't know, Douglas or something. And yeah. his last name was McDougal or whatever. So they named the kid Douglas McDougal or whatever. You know, I mean, like they took the two last names and that becomes the child's first name. Or both, yeah, first and last. Because Messiah was their choice. Yes. Um. Now, how this brings up a question for me. Yes. How much do names matter? Well, you know, that's what one of the things Malcolm Gladwell yeah, talked about. Exactly. Is is you to choosing an African name for your African American child, right? Puts them at Shaniqua uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, does yeah. it and put them at a and it actually it doesn't right. put them at a disadvantage. So he was kinda of, kind of dispelling some of the notions that, that but it is interesting. You know, in the Screen Free Parenting book, we put a chapter in there on on against labeling. Right, and I think it's uh, you are not. But a, that's what a name is. Exactly, a that, name is a label. You are not a prophet, and neither is grandma. Was the name of the chapter, and mm-hmm. it was about the power of labeling and self fulfilling prophecies. And one of the lines that I liked um, was, "Look, we gave our child a name. Let's stop there, because it is a label, and it's it's the only label you should ever give them." I mean, it's interesting. Uh, it's so easy. The the deal is that not that well the deal is we never stop naming our kid. We never stop naming our kid. We keep naming them different things. We name them, you know, lazy. We name Dummy. them Messiah. Messiah. You know, we name <laughs> Hal them, Edward. Yeah, we name them talented. We name them 
irresponsible. Honor roll. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Underachiever. Valedictorian. We name them. We name them. You know, uh, all star. Mm. You know, we keep naming them, and you know, I, let's just get purely speculative. What okay. are we trying to do with the name? The the original name. Yeah. You know. Well, you know. So you had this uh, this football player. Right, who still plays in the NFL. His name is Champ. Yeah. Champ Bailey. Right. And his brother's name was Boss. So it says something about that family sure. that they would name their kids Champ and Boss. As in, we want you to occupy these roles right. later, and so we want it to be inbred in you and every thought that you have and everybody, yeah. and so you just kind of live out your destiny, as it were. Because names matter but what kind of like what <laughs> what are you setting your kid up for if you name them messiah? messiah but isn't that i mean to some extent i don't want to get too metaphysical here but isn't that like w- what we do with our kids anyway we, our kids are our saviors a well, lot of times we we you know we've talked about this Where our marriage gets in trouble so we decide to have a kid sure the kid is our messiah well and how many times have we gone through a tough time, and uh, and our cute little kids saved us? You know that. The, yeah. My, I, you know, grandma's death. You weren't death, so cute. Uh, yeah. Your grandma's death was so terrible, but oh my gosh, seeing these things. You know, it's interesting because we do, and they do save us. They save the human race. Well, they perpetuate know? the human exactly. race. Yeah, they save us from extinction or right. whatever. They do. I mean, there we we are putting a ton of hope in the next generation. We do sure and rightfully so. Do that and yes. rightfully so, right? And and so, what are we saying when we name them after family members? We're keeping a memory alive, or uh, hoping that this will bring honor to our deceased, sure. you know, great grandfather or whatever. A, a nice legacy. We're looking forward to it. It's it's interesting because, uh, you know, have we had have we heard the 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 new prince name yet? Yeah. Uh, Prince George. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know it came out. Yeah, so they cho- chose names that were family names, and some of them were kind of a nod to mm-hmm. her family line, and yep. and then obviously George. You know, that's a, a royal name a from way back. British name, sure. So, but there was a lot of um, and they took a week excitement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four a, days, I think it was. Yeah, it was but a big uh, deal. It was, and and everybody analyzed it. Right. You know, the fact that you and I both sitting here know the name. Of the Prince sure. of England, you know, right. I mean that's it's a little strange, and the fact that I know George is a family name, like there's a, there was a lot of analysis over uh, that name, and that's different than a person that I met. Two fascinating names that I actually knew. One, the kid's name was Nasmo King. Nasmo King, yeah. as in no, no smoking. smoking sign. Wow, that they saw, and they said the yeah. first thing we see that's going to be the name of our kid. Wow. Nazmo King. And my dad met a family once in Northern California, and they named all their kids Bible characters, and they had a passel of them, you know. Uh-huh. So they named, you know, there was Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Timothy, Paul, wow. whatever. And and one of the the last one was named Pislam. Pislam. Which is a misreading of, of. the word psalm. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, oh my, that's yeah. We are. Hmm. <laughs> you are named after your parents' dyslexia. That's, <laughs> oh, 
You it's unfortunate, but it's true. Parents' dyslexia. Wow. I also knew my my daughter played softball with this family of triplet girls named Rain, Snow, oh, really, <laughs> Rain, Snow, and Mist. Mist. I think those were the three names. Now, okay, so that begs several questions. Yes. Are, were those the conditions? Exactly. Uh, were those the were weather born? when they were born? Right. When they? Yeah, I don't know. What, you know. Rain. Maybe maybe mist came out first. I, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it went to rain. And, and then, then it, the snow oh, came. And, gosh. Yeah. Monsoon. Now my favorite hurricane. My favorite was when I was I think it was in college and I did some I did some volunteer work, uh, uh, working with a youth organization. And an inner city youth organization during the summers. Does Abilene have inner cities? No, this was I went to Houston. To, okay, uh, all right. Abilene, okay. Abilene actually does. Abilene, Texas does. But I went to Houston. Okay, so you're and, volunteering downtown and I'm volunteering Houston. Volunteering downtown Houston, and there was this kid named Hakeem Olajuwon Williams. Hakeem Olajuwon. No. Wow. <laughs> I love now, that. Is kid. that all of his first name, or is that his N- first and no, middle? First or and okay. middle. Wow. Yeah. And now Hakeem Olajuwon, for those who don't know, is a, the, a famous athlete. One of the great basketball players. Basketball of all time. players. And he yeah. played in Houston. Yeah. Right. And, and won world championships and, my, and MVPs my, my and all favorite, of that. Yeah. My sure. favorite athlete of all time. Obviously, the guy, the kid's mother's favorite athlete of all time. Clearly. Yes. And so I just loved that kid. So when Here, we. Hakeem, here, awesome. here, Hakeem. But so, so when he hears the name Hakeem Olajuwon, though, mm-hmm. does he get anxious the way you do when you hear Hal Edward? Oh man, it depends on how she used it. Because <laughs> that's the that he means... associates Hakeem Olajuwon with a wooden spoon now. Because think about it, yeah, uh, Hal Edward saying it that way in that tone, and we do this, but it is a way of establishing ownership again. Yeah, right. It, it, because you, this goes way back. This is a, a, a Hebrew notion, a, yeah. a, a Jewish notion. The, the in in the, the 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 man and the woman story, the creation story, according yes. to the, according to the Jews. Uh, in that story, uh, Adam is given amazing power by God to to name, to name all the of the animals. animals because having the name means establishes a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Being able to name. give that name, yeah, right. I right. give you that name, but that means that you're forever kind of bound to me. Yeah, but they also the notion is deeply embedded in the Jewish culture that names matter and they mean something. Yeah, they yeah, mean they, they, they literally have, yes. mean something. So Adam means first man or right. primal Adam. primary yeah. man. Yeah, yes. yeah, and uh, and they name their kids very specific things because they mean very specific things. So when you know, in the Abraham sure. story, they they named the boy Isaac, which means laughter. laughter you know, right. so so uh, Hebrew names. No, I mean, even the name for the Hebrew nation, Israel, means struggle. Struggled. With he was God. striven with God and right, right. and kind of lived to tell about it. Right, wrestling with God, and, and so it's so this champ and boss Bailey thing is nothing new. Right, People that goes can, way back, and you, it's not you, just the Hebrews. Uh, it's uh, and Jewish. It's uh, uh, Greek. Does right. that you know? Pe- and some cultures they would they would delay naming their child for a while to see some sort of personality. characteristic or personality or something like that. Then they would name it, you know, a- a- after something they had seen. Well, how long would you have to? I wait? don't know. Yeah, I mean, how long did? Because I, you've heard me say this before that you know we always say, oh, I love their little personality thing, and I hate that because no, the personality is not shaped from the womb. I know people love to believe that idea, but it is not. It is a continually 
uh, interchangeable. It's a fluid it's thing. It's a fluid thing, you know. But neither are they, not, they, they don't come out blank slates either. Well, they. They have traits and characteristics. They do, of course. Of course, it is a wonderful mixture of nature and nurture. But when we see their, quote, personality coming out, what we're really seeing is their personhood coming out. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. a blob anymore. Right. They're an interactive And it is a being. bit of a, a Rorschach, te- you know, yeah. so that you and I can both be observing the same child and seeing different things. Sure, sure. Right. I, because, I, I, you know, I'm biased in one direction, you're biased in another. And so how long would they have to wait before... I don't know. Name, and then what do they name the thing, you know, until... Thing? Yeah. Thing? <laughs> thing? I don't know. You, baby. You. I don't know. What do they name it? Love, wait, darling. Wait I don't... Yeah. And Maybe then, that's where pet names come from. I don't know. But th- this idea that you would name your child Messiah. Yeah. And, and so yeah. then, the, 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 my other question then is, is it appropriate for a child advocate to step in and say, no, we're not going to have that. You live in a county... That is that has this where there's so much freight and baggage associated with the word Messiah right, right. that that's going to cause that child so much uh, struggle down sure. the line that it's in the child's best interests for me to intervene and change that child's name. Well, I mean, they're obviously they could have named him any slew of words sure. that the state would step in and say, uh, no. Right, all right, name the child profanity or yeah, something, exactly. you know, I mean, Yeah, we're not, yeah. Not going to name the child something that's that derogatory. We're not going to allow you to name the child the S- N-word. S-O-B. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're I, not going to you know, do anything like that. Yeah. So at that point in time, a, a child advocacy agency steps in, and that's what's happened here. Which is just interesting. It's interesting about the role of the state. Yeah. involved in our, you know, we are not completely free to do whatever we want with our kids. Obviously. Because we thank, are part of a society. Thank God, right? But it is interesting that they step in because of that term. But it wouldn't have come to their attention if the biological parents had been able to agree on a last name. Interesting. So the fact that... So they split up, and they were trying to... Well, they, they were never married. As far as I know, they were never married. Right. But... So they have two separate last names. Right. She wants the child to have her last name. The right. father, asserting some paternal rights, sure. wants the child to have his last name. So they go to the judge and, and say, like, you decide. And the judge says, hang on a second. Before we get to the last name, can we talk about the first one? Yeah. Messiah? Really? Interesting. Just imagine if that were your brother. <laughs> and if they have another kid. <laughs> my name's John. This is my sister Sandra and our brother Messiah. Messiah. Yeah. I mean, that's you always were a mom's favorite. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there's no disputing it at that point. Too. Right. Now it is interesting because this little baby Messiah mm-hmm. has two brothers. Oh, really? Yes. One of them's named Micah, and one of them is named you know something what, else with an M. But you know they, what they're going to do? They're going to crucify it. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Maybe that's what the judge was kind of trying yeah, to... Yeah, because all the messiahs <laughs> get killed, right? So I have some friends uh, who live here in town, and uh, when their daughter turned, I don't know, I want to say it was 13, mm-hmm. they said, um, do you like your name, or would you like to? would you rather you had a different name? Just gave it to her. Just gave it to her. And gave her the option. And she legally changed her name to Sierra Blaze, something along those lines. First and last? Uh, Middle. Middle. Yeah. Sierra Blaze. Yeah. Mountain Fire. Mmm. Interesting. I remember going to my parents. My parents not coming to me, but I remember going to my parents and saying, okay, Hal, 
Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know how hard it is to be oh a tough guy God. and be and named Hal. Hal. Yeah. Really? It's and and of course everyone think it's and Hal is actually a nickname. He's usually for short for Harold. And they put Hal on the birth certificate. Well, my name is John, not Jonathan. Not Jonathan. So I, I'm a similar, but, but, but it would be more like being named Johnny, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. you're, but John. Yeah, I mean, how many? At Hals least that's Hal. Do you know? Yeah, you, not many. I You're actually not... though went to high school with a guy named Hal Knuckles. I was Hal Runkle. He was Hal Knuckles. What wow. are the odds of that? That's minuscule. Yeah, that is yeah, random. Yeah. Right. But so I went to them and said, "Hey, I want to be Chad or something. I don't know, <laughs> something <laughs> equally tough guy. Yes, Chad. Well, I was supposed to be Chad Edward. That's why I got Chad because my mom told me I was supposed to be Chad Edward Runkle. And at the last minute, my dad intervened because there was an actor named Chad Everett. At the right, time. yeah, I Mustached remember him. Yeah. dude, mustachioed yeah. dude, mustachioed, and uh, and so my dad didn't want me associated with, with that. Chad Everett. So how it was Edward? Uh, wasn't Hal the computer in uh, uh, 2001: Space Odyssey? Yeah, and and so people ask me because they know I was born a little right after yeah, that movie. So yeah, were you named the computer? You know, and no, my. Do grand- they always sound like that when they? they in, <laughs> in my mind, yeah. <laughs> That's how I hear that. So them. apparently, according to Hal, yeah. there are stupid questions. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I hear it, and you're a buffoon, <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, I try to hide it with my clients, at least, though, when they say stupid questions. But, okay. <laughs> no, there are no dumb questions. Yes, really. You go right ahead. There are oh, only uh, dumb, uh, dumb people yeah. asking questions. No. So I, the, you know what's fascinating about Hal, the computer, where he got that? No, what, um, I'm sure it, it's an acronym for something. Well, because it's Hal.A.L. 9000. It's the Hal okay. 9000. Well, it's 1969. What was the biggest company in the world at that time? Was it IBM? Or, Let's yeah. go one letter backwards. Oh, okay. I to H, B to A, M to L. Wow. So he was absolutely indicting. I had no idea. Yeah, sure. our, he, very early, he was saying, look, our world is going to be dominated by, by computers, computers and artificial intelligence, yes. but do we really want that yes. and kind so of a world? Yeah, mid-60s, mid when he wrote it. Yeah, yeah, when he wrote it, mid-60s. Wow. But I'm not named after them. My, fa- my grandfather's name is Harold, so I'm named after him. Kind of. You're named kind of. after his nickname. Well, here's uh, here's how it gets even worse. His he was Harold Eugene Runkle. Wow. That's well, not, you dodged a bullet yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't getting the ladies. That's for sure. I'm Harold Eugene. Harold Eugene. Yeah, what's the E stand yeah. for? <laughs> Lucky you, lady. It's Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> so there are names, but well, it's of, tough. Like sure. you know, anybody who's expecting, you run through the list of names, well, right? Think of the initials, yeah, H E R for a man, which now I am H E R, which we continue with my daughter, which makes perfect sense. Perfect sense for her, but not for you. And you changed it with your son. Oh yeah. We, What's he, Brandon's middle name? Scott. So he's B S. Okay. Mm, that's the joke we always make. Yeah, okay. Yeah. BS Runkle. BS. But Scott was a... Brandon was just... We said it sounded cool. Yeah. That was it. Uh, but Scott is... But doesn't everybody... Like, everybody friends. everybody runs through sure. names, you know? You okay, could we call... Or, or you know, is there any way they could possibly get made fun of if we named them Eugene or something like oh, that? Oh, here's you a know? question. You're adopted. Yes. Did you have a name or did they name you? Baby boy. Okay. Yeah, I just had the little wristband. So you were adopted boy. early enough that it yes. hadn't been named. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They brought me home from the hospital 
six days after okay. I was born. Okay. Yeah, my brother was saying maybe like three days afterwards. But here's, you know, when you adopt yeah. a child who child has a name, has a name, you Do- didn't participate in that process. And so I'm, I'm just curious. Hey, researchers out there. Yeah. See if there's any do a correlation longi- or something yeah, like do that. Do a longitudinal study because we've seen lots of adoption issues that can come up. Yeah. Right? But is it worsened if the ki- parents weren't allowed? If, to if name? the ki- yeah, if the child comes with a name already attached that they didn't give him. Interesting. And if your child was named Messiah when you adopt them, would you, <laughs> would you, you change? You, it? you would change that, right? I, I think I would have to change that one. I would too, I, because it really does. Uh, it makes a difference in in helping form their personality. You were just talking about how personality and personhood sort of emerge right. and that it, it is this fine dance this fine-tuned dance between nature and nurture but part of it is their sense of identity has to be shaped with how by how a culture perceives a certain name sure you name your kid hercules exactly and he's a little skinny guy like i was that's going to be an interesting the, that kid's going to grow up with a sense of humor yeah yeah he's going to have to or else he's going to die yeah so um yeah, that's tough. Uh, here's a question, though. Speaking of the Messiah thing, it, obviously in culture you grew up in, in yeah. Mexican American culture, yeah, where Jesus, yeah, Jesus, popular name, popular name. None so, of my family members are named Jesus, but you know they're all named Jose and Daniel, and, and it's but it's interesting that Jesus you could be named after, yeah. but no one would name their kid Jesus, no, in English, no, but. But in a Latin American culture, yeah, Latinos name their children. But Jesus is actually Jesus. Jesus isn't it a? Well, uh, Jesus is a name, though. It's a name, but it's based on Yeshua. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joshua, Joshua. Yeah. So we would we're we're okay naming our kids Joshua. Sure. There's lots of Joshua. But not uh, Jesus. not Jesus. But Latin America is Jesus. Yeah. Fascinating and and ultimately meaningless conversation. But, but it does. It, it, Jesus is a name. Messiah is a title. Yes. Technically, like champ or boss, it's a title that you earn. Interesting. And and here we are giving our children. It'd be like naming your daughter princess. Yeah, I know a guy named Major. Yeah, we do, we yeah, both know yeah, a guy named Major who's not in the military. <clears throat> no. And yet his parents gave him that name. Right. So so then my other question, back to my other question about my friends who allowed their daughter at thirteen or however old she was, choose your own name. Right. How healthy is that process? Because we all know young, immature people who stand up and make ridiculous proclamations like, I don't know, coffee will die out <laughs> with my generation. Right. If if that guy gets to choose his own name, what are the odds he's going to pick something dumb? Right. Well, and I do we allow our kids that, that level? Much. Yeah. No, it's an interesting because you know I'm writing a book now on yeah. the launching process, and, right. and one of the uh, chapter titles that right now it may not survive, but <laughs> is something to the effect of "Look, a life on their own is a life of their own." Life on their own is a life of their own. Right. Okay. So a life uh, on their own. So the idea that we want them to have ownership of their choices because we all say we want them to take responsibility for themselves, sure. right? And that's maybe, that's what we're saying when we say I want them to but take responsibility. But we don't want we don't let our 13-year-olds go get tattoos. Right. Well, some parents well, some do. people do. But yeah, I saw that in a Facebook feed not too long ago and I thought, "What the are you kidding me?" Right. Your 15-year-old gets a tattoo and you're very proud of them. It's a little permanent. <sighs> yeah. It's Just a, little a little bit permanent. Permanent. And so and what are the odds they're going to get Messiah tattooed on their no, shoulder absolutely. or something, you know? So the 
but the, I guess they could do the name thing. But what you're asking is, how much freedom do we give to our children to map out their own path, and when do we give them? And establishing their own identity. Which we want them of to course, do. Of uh, course, in the long run. But at the same time, it's not... It's not unshaped because, I mean, you mentioned a, in a couple of podcasts ago about you want them to have an identity that they associate with the family in, in things like uh, uh, Turner's are uh, compassionate. Right. The right. Turner, You're uh, part of this clan. Right. right. We don't want them to be uh, foundationless. We don't want them to be groundless. We want right. them to have roots. And we talk a lot about independence, but we know ultimately we're all interdependent and we want to teach a healthy balance of the two. Yeah, I I've moved away from the term independence because it's ultimately a, it's a myth. We're yeah, exactly. Un- no one is completely independent. Uh, of course, of course not. Now, I did uh, one of the things I did early on was I put a copy of the Declaration of Independence, got it framed, and hung it in each of my kids' bedrooms when they were young. Mm. And it's been there their whole lives because okay. I, I was kind of putting out. Look, it. First of all, I want to give them the message that, look, words have amazing power to change sure, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, I wanted them to get this. This is what you're ultimately doing from me. Declaring independence yes. from me. And, and But it's difficult to do that without there being a, a bit of a war, there, right? There it, because England did not take kindly to those words, and true. a bloody war was, you know, and inevitable. And here I am. Mother England, uh-huh. saying to them, I want you to do this. Sure. Right? It, it, is, it is your job to do this. But what I really, I don't mean independence. The, the term I prefer is self-direction. Self-directed. Yes. That, that, that's the, a self-directed adult is what I believe we're all striving. Somebody who is the captain of their ship. Right, right. right. So, so I'm not relying on somebody else to, to sort of control me remotely. I'm not dependent on anyone else's, uh, ultimately dependent on everyone else's decisions for my own choices. I want to be making my own choices so that I take full responsibility for those choices. I can't take full responsibility for them if they weren't mine. Exactly. But at the same time, we know, as you mentioned this last time we talked, um, that can be a difficult process. So your daughter goes to all these other people's homes... And you get all these reports about how wonderful she is and how amazing she is yes. and how thoughtful and kind and caring and concerned and all of these blah, things. Blah, blah, yeah. And and you think, are we talking about the same person? Because <laughs> exactly. at home... That, I see glimpses of that person. Right. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Less and less. I hear about her when she's on the phone with someone else. Exactly. But what here... What I get to experience is... And that's part of the normal process Absolutely. of declaring independence from someone. You can't do that without there being a little blood on the carpet. Sure. And the real term, you know, I don't like to use clinical terms, right? right? But the real term we're talking about is a process called differentiation. differentiation. Yeah. It is the teasing out from the cloth, the uniqueness, that you're still connected, right? There is, but you are not you are not as attached. That the there's a process of figuring out who you are juxtaposed with the people that you care about the most. And it's a process of differentiating that drives parents and kids crazy. Right. Isn't that the source of a lot, if not most, of the tension between the 
the generations. It's the tension between in all relationships is whenever we have a moment that recognizes, okay, we are not the same person. Mm-hmm. We do have boundaries between us. And I, just because I, my brain sends an impulse to your hand yes. doesn't mean your hand is going to move because well, exactly. your hand's not part of my body. Because what we think is that we're Siamese twins, and so what I, uh, I, I check my temperature, right? To, I check your temperature to know how I'm supposed to feel. This is mm-hmm. how we do in highly sensitive relationships. We do it in our marriages, unfortunately, yeah. all the time. I walk in, and i got to see how my wife is before, before I'm Before I know how I'm okay. Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't be in a good mood if she's in a bad one. Yeah. Right? I can't Are do we that. okay? Right, exactly. Are we okay? And so when our kids begin to exhibit their own identity, meaning a little bit different than us, yeah, and different than they have been. Sure. And that's part of the differentiation process is as they're trying to figure out who they are, they're, they're going to try on different personalities. And this starts, this is what two-year-olds do. Yeah. That's the whole playing dress up thing. That's the you know, let me do it on yeah, my own. Cops and robbers, or whatever. Yes. I mean, they're trying on different personalities to see which one they prefer. Right. They, you know, and um, so these friends of yours offering her the power to name herself are going, you know, to an extreme level in trying to at least be the architects or, or the champions of her owning her identity. Mm-hmm. So at, at some level, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's. An extreme way to do that. Yeah. Right? I, but I do often, I'm always striving to, how can I communicate clearly to my kids that I am not the barrier between them and their self-direction? Yeah, I'm the champion their, I'm of the that. Champion I, I, of you know, that. I'm, I'm cheering them on towards that. I, that's my job, is to champion you towards being self-directed. In some measures, having a sense of self-sufficiency. Now, we know we're not completely sufficient ourselves. No, of course we're de- not. We're dependent Everybody's on interdependent, yeah. But it is a sense that you are on your own, and then you are able to take care of yourself and fully take responsibility. Now, there are some people who are listening, our five listeners or whatever exactly. that we have. There are some, some, at least one of those people has not heard anything we said since we talked about something about three minutes ago. I want to come back to it. All right. They have a teenager. And it's war mm-hmm. at their house. And we just said that might be a good thing. Yeah. Is that what we really said? What we're saying is that there has to be a process of differentiation if we want our kids to own their decisions and take responsibility for their own lives. And is that process going to be difficult. Yes. Okay. Because here's the process. It is going to involve them making choices that surprise you, that seem to come out of left field, mm-hmm. that you could not Where see Where did this coming. come from? How yes. did, how, who gave you that idea? And it must be the TV, or it must be your bad friends. And it's exactly, it's going to make you realize how much less control you think you have than you thought you had. Mm. It, that, and, and as you lose that sense of control over them, when they strongly, and this happens when they're two, and it happens when they're teenagers, yeah. is you get this in-your-face recognition, wow, there's a mind of its own inside this thing, 
and I'm not driving that ship. And what they're really doing is seeing how far out the borders of their own personal kingdom extend. Exactly. And that's which their, is a healthy process. It's their job, right? And and I cannot I cannot hope that my daughter learns to say no to the persuasions of a senior boy. Right, yeah, until she unless she's practiced. Unless she's practiced with me. We used to do this with my I used to do this with my girls all the time. I would uh give them practice, practice saying no to me. Yeah. So daddy's going to eat your dessert. Is that okay? Right. No. And I would teach them, like, say no, like, really mean it. Say yeah. no and say it strongly and say it definitively and give them permission to tell me no about certain things. Right. Daddy's going to poke you in the eye. No. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'll stay over here. You just train them to that. Which is nice because what you're doing is you're giving them kind of an artificial battlefield. Yeah. Right? To practice on. Because what you're championing, again, is that I want you to learn how to set boundaries around yourself. Yeah. Right? There are certain things that are yours. Yes. They are all yours. And, and nobody else has a right to them. It's why I encourage, look, don't barge into your kids in the, in the restroom. Oh, no. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't, and start early. You know, three years old, you're not barging in in the restroom. Knock. Knock, at least. Knock on the door. Right? Show them, look, you should... It's interesting. We t- we badmouth the sense of entitlement that kids have, but there are things I want my kids. There's to a positive feel. sense yeah, of entitlement absolutely. too. They're entitled to some privacy. They're entitled, entitled to, to personal space. Personal they're space. They're yeah. Entitled to be treated well. Yeah. By the opposite sex, they're entitled to be uh, treated well by others. Absolutely. Right. And so I want to. It's a delicate thing. How, of course. How do we nurture that? How do we, without giving them too much freedom, you know. Every parent in the world wants kids who become responsible. Nobody wants to do the things that make for responsible kids. Because it's scary, and you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to go too far. (sighs) (laughs) But but, uh, to to underline this, to go back, highlight it, underline it, put it in bold. A lot of people are never told. Nobody ever tells you that parenting teenagers is, period, going Period. Two. Period. B. Period. Painful. Period. Yeah. Like there is no way around that. And if it's when, not, when they do tell you it though, they 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 tell you it's because, uh, well, they'll wise up eventually and they'll come to see that you were right. Right. But this is it, it is a painful thing, and painful is good. In the way that in lift, this way in the way that lifting weights is painful. Exactly. And good. In the way that chugging out a mile on the road is good. Yeah. Yes. In the way that uh, saving money and... Saying no to your impulse shopping and all of that is difficult and hard, but it's good and healthy. It's... And it's going to be maddening even for the best of us. Yeah. It's, it, it, and it's part of the process. Like, it's it's inherent. And the, Everybody thinks there's some kind of silver bullet out there that's going right. to keep... Well, it's not going to be that way for us, because I've always had a good relationship with her. No one ever gets the problem they want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wisdom of that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of the chapters it's in genius. this new book. Yeah. No one ever gets the one they want. No. You know, because if you did want it, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. That your, your child... You could, if you have in mind the one sport you really want your child to, that's going to be the sport that they reject. Yeah, 
because you want it so bad. If you want your child to pursue a certain occupation, that's going to be the one that even they do pursue it, it'll be done resentfully. Yeah. Right? And they'll hate you for it. The more that we try to push them in one direction... The more they have a way of getting around it. So I will tell you this, and I'm toying with this idea of whether or not to put it in print. So we'll, we'll <laughs> test it here. But I have done some kind of... Uh, oh, man, it sounds so, so manipulative. But I know that my kids are going to rebel against my influence. Right. Right? So are you... Are you using reverse psychology? I sort of have, yes. <laughs> where I have that is so gonna bite you I in the know. butt. <laughs> so I've pushed them in directions that I know I don't want them to go. So they rebel against it. Here, go, date an older boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go after him. Yeah, sure. Pursue him. Really think he's go. a catch. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Come back to us in five years, Hal, and I tell know. us how that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I come back from visiting my son in jail, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, we're open for good behavior this time. That's right. So this is part of kids differentiating from us, and it's ultimately what we want them to do. The process just sucks. Yes, it does. It's so hard uh, because it's it. Here's the biggest notion, and uh, and now another chapter title is another chapter title is you don't know jack or diane or messiah yeah you just don't you think <laughs> or you, boss you, or champ yeah, or whomever you think you know your kids and when they differentiate again they will do it in ways that are surprising and it'll really just help you realize you don't know them it, it is important to be a student of your child to learn more about your child, but understand that the subject matter is constantly changing. And, and it gets more difficult, just like yeah. if you start in math, you know, calculus is not easier than algebra. No, it's it harder. gets more difficult. Yes, it gets more difficult, and you have to have this humility that I am a student. I never get to the place where I have mastered right. this. I know my child. No. You don't know my child. I know my child, you know? Yeah, I know kind of where she is... These days, I know what their tendencies are. Sure. I know what kind of music they're listening to, and I, I think I know what books she's reading and who she's hanging I out say, with. So you know what? I know, I know a few things. Yeah, I, I, I know some things, but I also know that those, even those things, can change. But is anybody ever truly known? No, because we're all constantly evolving. For sure. I mean, the that's the case with your spouse or with your siblings and that's why yeah we put so, we put so much emphasis on in scream free marriage we put that on this sense of authentic self representation it's yeah. your job to make yourself known it's not your spouse's job to figure you out but but with an adolescent because they're they're not in a a binding relationship that's that they feel secure about right they don't know how you're going to respond to them when they try on this new personality then they're testing me yeah they're testing you on how you're going to respond and how so they, but they'll only do that sometimes. Other times they'll be too insecure, or they won't trust you enough to show you. Well, and that's completely based on their experience of your yeah. reaction the first time. This is why we put so much. I mean, our whole, our whole. You can't tell your kids, "Oh, you can tell me anything. And then you can talk out. to me about Don't anything." Don't talk to me that way. Yeah, you can't do that. You know, that's like, uh, look at me when I talk to you. Don't give me that look. We, you know, <laughs> how we react. I hear parents all the time. I want my kids to talk to me. Okay. How do you respond when they do? Because they, if they mm -hmm. give you the slightest opening, 
What do you do then? Do you get reactive? You have to receive it as a gift. That's, uh, that's a good notion. That anything they offer you is a gift. Because the problem with entitlement is we feel entitled to know them because we named them. Yeah. Talk I, to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I named but, you. You know, what I tell people, what I tell parents is um, uh, uh, poking and prodding doesn't work with turtles or with kids. Right. And the more you poke with a stick, hey, 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 open up, open up, open up, open up, the more turtled they're going to become. Exactly. And it's only when they feel secure enough that's when they'll poke their head out and it won't be all at once no that head is going to come out a little bit at a time and they're going to see what goes on and how do people respond and is this a safe place which is why it's good to not have that much eye contact with your kids yeah i know you're a big advocate of this yeah because i was trained very well in play therapy yeah and play therapy you are dealing with traumatized kids Mm -hmm. right and you know that if you sit with a kid and look them eye to eye and say, now talk to me about what grandpa did. That's not going to happen. Oh, they'll clam up quicker. If you get on the ground and over, it can be months and months, you get on the ground, you don't look eye to eye, you just play Legos together. They'll start to share. You know, I think um, this is one of those situations where a healthy father-son relationship trains you for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because dads, fathers and sons, in healthy ways, uh, talk when they're watching a baseball game, right? when they're fishing, when they're working on a car. Yeah. All of those activities are shoulder-to-shoulder, not face-to-face. But I, I will challenge you, because uh, I don't know if you're saying this, but a lot of times people say, well, that's what men do. Well, No, I'm yeah, just saying it, that a lot of times that's the natural... Um, it's activities that a lot of fathers and sons engage in lend themselves to that kind of conversation. And mothers and daughters shopping. Or, right. or cooking. Right. Cooking is a fantastic Baking. Fantastic because, again, way. those are shoulder-to-shoulder activities exactly. rather than face-to-face activities. Face-to-face. Here's the deal. Eye-to-eye only really works if you're dealing with equals. Yeah. Because if you're not equals, then eye to eye always ends up intimidating. The more powerful intimidates the young, the the, yeah, the less exactly. powerful or yeah. the younger, right? Yeah. In the eye to eye. So there are there are moments for it, absolutely. Both wonderfully connective. I want you to know how much I love you. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I'm the I'm the upper, and I'm welcoming you into this, you know, plane. Or I'm talking down because you need to be brought down to your level. Yeah. But very rare. More often than not. It's those shoulder-to-shoulder activities. That will open up. And then when they do open up, how nonchalant can you be? Like your daughter comes home and says, uh, you know what, I think I'm tired of soccer. And you're thinking... I just spent... I've spent $3,000 yeah, a on year cleats on travel, and travel, soccer. and you're, you're playing soccer. Yeah. Or can we say, okay, tell me more about that. Huh. What's going on? No, this is what I'm feeling. No, what I'm feeling inside is uh, all of the <laughs> panic, and I'm doing. I know I'm starting you. to re- revise my budget yes, and all of exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. and I know you, and I know you're going to change your mind on mm-hmm. this, right? You're going to want to come back to it, and so don't you even think about it and have dinner. We've invested blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's where my insights want to go. Blah. <laughs> but what I've got to do is, huh? Well, that's interesting. And I train myself. Uh, I, 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 it's weird. <laughs> but I, I watched I, you searching for the right word 
and weird was weird. the one you landed on. I will I will fixate my eyes on whatever I was looking at when they said that, and I will keep it on. Yeah, that. you you almost have to, and it's a discipline. Yes. Oh, it is. It, it takes. It is so hard, so hard. But you have to, I believe, have this wonderful, healthy expectation that your kids will surprise you. Yeah. In this differentiation process. This is really, and again, we, we keep coming back to chapter titles, but this is what is at the heart of judo parenting. Yeah. Taking all these things that seem to be an affront to us, and rather than pushing back against them, let's embrace them. And what it does is it kind of robs it, robs those of things it, its of its power. power. Right. And we can leverage it towards our goal, which is creating um, not, in, not independent, what, uh, self-directed... self-directed. Because here's self-directed the deal. Let's kid, say or adults. Let's say you actually believe that your daughter is just rethinking the soccer thing, mm-hmm. and you think she'll probably end up playing soccer anyways. Uh-huh. Do you want you to change her mind on that? I want her to change her mind right. on that. Because if she, if I change her mind, and something negative happens, it's my fault. And, and she won't own it. And it doesn't even have to be negative. It just means I'm going to have to change her mind every time she's got to get dressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time she's got to lace up the cleats. And yeah. we say this a lot, and it's true in marriage. It's true with our kids. We don't want them to do what we want them to do. We want them to want to do what we want them exactly. to do, right? <laughs> like, exactly. We want them to want to. And we can't force somebody to want to. No. And it is, it is like, it's like pushing a rope. Yeah. That's what it becomes like. That's, uh, I will tell you, give me an openly defiant, angry child, right, as a therapist, working with a family with that situation, over the child. The compliant. The completely compliant, and just totally unmotivated. Yeah, oh. It's like pushing a rope. I want to know, what do you want? Exactly. But if a kid doesn't feel empowered to tell you what they want. Well, and if they feel it doesn't, if they do say what they want, you'll try and steer it towards what you want them to say. Because this is what you always do, whether you do it overtly or whether you do it covertly, the way you have been doing recently (laughs) with your kids. I think it's brilliant. We'll see. We'll see how that's working for you. Trying to shape what they rebel. But that's a topic for another time. Thanks for listening to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things scream free. Two guys learning to calm down. Grow up and get closer to the people who matter most. My name's John, he's Hal, and we'll talk to you next week. Later. I like that tagline. We need to say it every time. Calm down, grow up. Yeah. Get closer to the people. I don't think we have said it every time.